You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 223, Why You Need to Know Who You Are, with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson-Fife. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to guide you toward living the life you want. Each week, you'll hear interviews and teachings on how to balance self-development with self-acceptance. Listen in and join our community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. Four years ago, things were a little tough in the Packer home. My husband was working around the clock. I had three little kids, four and under, and it was very overwhelming to say the least to keep up to all the demands that we had in our little family. And one of the things that saved me during this time is stumbling into a workshop that Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife was teaching. I had no idea who she was. A friend had suggested that I attend her workshop. I ended up going by myself and I was shocked to attend this workshop and have the revelations I had because I thought that this was going to be just a workshop on intimacy, but it turned out to be so much more. It was more about who I was as a person, which I didn't realize I was missing. And four years since that, I have changed a lot. And I do think that this all started with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Now we are in a similar boat. My husband's been working a lot. There's a lot of demands at home, but I've been feeling different than I did four years ago when those burdens were on my shoulders. I feel more capable. I feel stronger. I'm able to make tough decisions in the moment and also handle when I don't make the right decisions in the, in the same moments. And I know this is because I now have better knowledge about who I am as a woman. Separate from all my other responsibilities, I know who I am. That's why early on in 2019, we had Jennifer on to talk about why this is so important, why women no- need to know who they are. And this is the highest listened to episode of 2019. And all month long in December, we are focusing on the best ofs in many different ways. And this is one of them. We are sharing the most listened to episode of the year. And this is it. Before I launch into it, I do want to tell you there's a follow-up episode to this that aired the next month or two following called How to Choose Happiness. And I really think those two need to go together. If you haven't listened to that one either, I'm going to put that in the show notes for you so you can listen to it directly following this one because that episode is like the peanut butter to the jam of this one. (laughs) All right, enough for my analogies. Before we dive in, I have two short announcements from our community board. Are you on your own Christmas list? I say this because a lot of times we are doing the things that are right for the season. We're giving, we're giving our time, we're giving gifts, we're giving our um, attention to the things that matter most. But I want to challenge you to put yourself and your personal development on your own Christmas list. I have an online workshop, Rediscover You, which is moving online recently because of your many requests to do so. And I'm doing something dumb business-wise. I am selling this all through the busiest month of the year, December. But I believe that your personal development needs to come above so many other things that we put in front of it. And I want to challenge you to try to put that first again. If you need more clarity about who you are and your identity, and if you want to have more confidence and feel purposeful about your life, attend this workshop. It's not going to be a sermon. It's not going to be an inspirational talk. We really do the heavy lifting it takes to be able to uncover what has been leading to you feeling a little lost in your own life and how you can do something to take it back. 
You can find out about my two sessions available that are starting uh, the first weekend in January by going to aboutprogress.com slash workshop. I so enjoyed offering you a free monthly plan called the Progress Plan each month of 2019 with the goal to be to help you take your learning from this podcast to the next level. We're going to continue to offer the Progress Plan every single month of 2020, but it will only be available to those who are a part of my online membership group, The Messy Middle Club. Um, And what we're going to do in the beginning is do a beta run of this group. And that means it's a trial run. And we're going to really dig into this group and figure out what it is that you need the most. I have a lot of ideas in mind, including monthly challenges, bi-weekly coaching, weekly lives, and a personal development book club, all of the above, but also included will be the progress plan. If you've enjoyed participating in that or you know you want more accountability with what you're learning in the podcast and you need more community and a push and support to do that, join this beginning launch of the Messy Middle Club and it will only be a dollar a month until we got this thing totally down. You can find out more about that by going to the links in my show notes, which you can also find on my website, aboutprogress.com slash podcast. It's time for us to share the replay of this interview with Jennifer. I just wanted to highlight one of the things I loved most about this interview, which is truly one of my top three, I think, for the entire show that we've ever had on. I love that she talks about her own journey with personal development. Jennifer did not always have it together, friends, and she used to be lost in her own self too. So I loved hearing how she had her own inner transformation as a late teen and then into her young adult years that really brought her to being the powerhouse that she is today. And it gives us a lot of hope that we can do the same. Just a heads up, at the end of the interview, I ask her where we can find her, and she notes that she also had some workshops for sale at the time. It was around Valentine's Day. That's not for sale now, but I still highly recommend you check out her workshops online because they really are worth every cent. So my name's Jennifer Finlayson Fife, and um, I live in the Chicago area, and I'm married with three kids, and I'm a therapist that works primarily uh, with LDS couples around uh, relationship and sexuality issues. And um, yeah, I uh, do a lot of online teaching, both in the form of podcasts and online courses around the topics of, of uh, creating a better relationship and around the topics of sexuality and desire and self-development and sexual intimacy, which I think are all very linked. So anyway... Yeah, I love what I do. So. What you've taught me has changed my life. I mean, I think I talk about you all the time. And this is your <laughs> fifth time on the show for a reason. But this topic, I think, is the biggest part of what I've learned from you and what I think mm-hmm. is the biggest passion you have. Women mm-hmm. getting to really know themselves, getting deep into knowing who they truly are and mm-hmm. why that why that affects everything. So let's start by just answering this first question about why do women tend to not even have a sense of who they truly are? Because I think this is a big struggle. And where does that disconnect come from? Well, I think there's kind of two, probably two realities around that. And the first is that I think that most of us have grown up in either families or a society that teaches women that deference and selflessness and self-sacrifice are feminine virtues. 
that like the truly good woman will not be selfish, will put others needs first and will basically yield or kind of fold into what is needed from others from her. And I think even some systems and, you know, religious perspectives will formalize that as a kind of measure of the woman. And, um, you know, especially if you grew up in a family also where you had a demanding parent or parents to keep equilibrium with them, you would be very likely to not uh, engage the question of what you want and what you want to create, but be very shaped by how you're being pressured or what is wanted from you. The typical girl at age seven is very clear about what she likes, what she wants. You know, if she goes to a restaurant, she tends to know what kind of burger she wants. She's comfortable in her own skin. But then by the time she hits early adolescence, the kind of cultural pressure to go into that, uh, I think kind of a deferential frame has hit her. And so then she's referencing externally more around what do other people think she should want from the restaurant? How do other people think she should look in her body? How should she feel in her body? And this this sort of external reference point becomes very present. And, you know, I remember that in my own side, just like never even thinking about how I appeared when I was in the pre-adolescent stage and then becoming very aware of fashion magazines and makeup tips and all this and realizing like, oh my gosh, I'm really underperforming here. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize it and all that. And that kind of external reference point can really distract us, uh, deter our self-investment and self-development and clarity of self, peace in our own bodies, having ourselves as a, an important reference point in defining our lives. And, and that, you know, the other factor I was going to say is just I think that women are a little more wired to map the minds of other people. And okay. to kind of track what other people want. It's, a, it's an important part of nurturing and keeping a baby alive and mm -hmm. being able to intuit and feel and track what is desired. But I think that sensitivity can also be a distraction where I see in my son, sometimes they're just oblivious to what somebody might want. Yes. <laughs> and not, not because they're unkind or that they don't care about others, but they're, they're just not sort of tracking it in the way that their sister is. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit easier to not be so defined by the pressures of other people when you're oblivious. Hmm. So we've got that biological sensitivity and our culture uh, both mm -hmm. driving us to, as we become women, we also have learned to become submissive. Yeah. Okay. I think so. And, and, and kind of say that, Deter being basically not investing in ourselves as an act of goodness. Okay. Yes. All right. Not investing ourselves as an act of goodness. So let's let's peel this back then. How is this? You've talked about we're trying to buy into these feminine virtues of selflessness, submissiveness. Um, how is not investing in yourself the opposite of virtuous? Because I think if you don't invest in yourself and you don't develop a self, 
you have, first of all, no, no source from which to truly give to others. Mm-hmm. And you will suck the life out of others if you don't have one in yourself. And so if you haven't forged a self, you don't have a source of strength. The giving is a way of trying to get. Okay. I think it's also true that if you don't develop a self, then you're going to depend on, let's say you are uh, in relationship with a spouse and or children. If you don't have a solid sense of yourself, you're going to depend on them to give you one, to give you a sense of mattering, to give you a sense of sufficiency, to give you a sense of feeling in control of your life because you haven't controlled your own choices in a mm-hmm. way that you respect. And so it's going to pressure your relationships in ways that are negative for you and others. So that is the opposite of serving people in the end. Absolutely. It might look like it. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I was saying to my kids the other day, somehow the giving tree came up, the the book, and I said, I hate that book. I hate that story. (laughs) And they were like, you do? Why yeah. was it on our shelf? You know, I, you know, I don't even know the answer to that question. <laughs> yes. You're like, <laughs> like, why? Said, why I, was it? I, I, yeah. <laughs> they said, I, I grew up reading that book thinking it was a nice story. And I'm like, oh, it's an awful story. So they were like, well, why do you say that? And I said, because in the end, the mother, the mother figure is a stump. And she has an entitled son sitting on her in the end who is himself depressed. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. What, what's the goodness in that? It's not created goodness in the son. And it's not created strength in the mother. And so it's, you know, maybe that Shel Silverstein was, may have been actually saying it's a bad system yeah, uh, because you have two unhappy entities at the end. But I think that it sets up for low functioning in both parties. If you don't develop a self, it's a system that you have to be true to or it will, it will hurt you. Mm-hmm. We, we are here to develop. We're inherently creative, evolving beings. And if we betray those forces in ourselves and in our psyche, we will suffer. Mm -hmm. You know, and there is this aspect too, especially within motherhood, that in order we try to prop up women in their role and encourage them in Mm -hmm. this role of motherhood and in what, you know, can be our biological and spiritual inclinations to be sensitive and help really be invested in, in who we are trying to yes. raise them. But I think we yes. must take that as us needing to be the sacrificial lamb of our families. And that's right. Like you said, that sets up suffering for all of us. It does for the whole family. And I think absolutely. So first of all, you know, I do really think that particularly young motherhood is a self-sacrificing time in the sense that the needs <clears throat> are intense Mm-hmm. And this, there is a certain kind of, when it's done right, a sort of willful suppression of self. You're making a choice to say, you know, I will get up at 4 a.m. and I'll get up at 2 a.m. and whatever is needed for the survival of this child. And I will do things that are uh, hard to bring this person up uh, mm-hmm. to a certain, you know, if you're, you're going to raise a baby into adulthood, there is forsaking of self that will happen that is virtuous. Um, mm-hmm. But what I think ends up happening is when we basically say the suppression of the mother is the virtue, 
then there's not a point at which it shifts into, okay, the child no longer needs me at that intensity. In fact, they will thrive more if I develop other aspects of myself. They will be more free to forge their lives. Um, that it, it gets sort of, uh, how to say it, like I've sometimes talked to my clients about hiding behind motherhood, that they chose it, but then they have not, when it's no longer necessary for them to be involved at the same intense level, they haven't found or developed or created a, a path of their own development and used motherhood and meaning because of the anxieties and fears they might have about that mm -hmm. or how it contradicts what they've been told they should be will sort of stay hidden in the role of motherhood but their happiness goes down mm -hmm. and I know there was a certain point for me when I really knew it was time you know I, I got my degree before uh, right after my first child was born, right before my second child was born, I finished my degree. And um, actually, he was a newborn at my graduation. So technically, oh. I guess I had him, but my second, yeah. but, but, uh, <laughs> but I chose, you know, not to work for a number of years. And I always kind of wondered, like, when is going to be the right time? When am I going to feel like it's time? And there was a certain point at which I just knew it was time. I knew I was becoming a little bit less happy at home. I could feel there was sort of another pressure inside of me that I needed to kind of step in a direction that scared me a bit, honestly, Yes. and felt very different than how I had been operating in the role I'd been in, which was quite comfortable for me. I mean, not that there weren't obviously stressful and hard things about being a full-time mother, Yes. Uh, but it felt scary to kind of go back and sit for the licensing exam and to put out a shingle and, you know, mm -hmm. have nobody call for a while, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that, you know, just was like, oh. and, and then my own fears about, am I, am I being a bad mother by doing this? Like, this isn't the, what I was taught I should do. And, you know, those were a lot of those things were at play for me, but I could feel that I needed to start growing another part of myself and I needed to start moving in a different or at least an all, another direction to have that begin within me. Yeah, for women who who are in your shoes, you know, they they're feeling that they've they've done these hard years of the young mothering and what can be really physical and emotionally taxing and they're mm -hmm. ready to rediscover who they are again and get in tune with what's inside of them. Some it, it might mm -hmm. be professional pursuits others it might be different it might be more personal development related but mm -hmm. I want to know more about how someone can can have an independent self and find that self we'll, we'll get into that too but first how like what are they looking to achieve there they can be an independent self who also still can make sacrifices for their families mm -hmm. when they choose to but it comes from a different place so how does that look mm -hmm. different when you still you have an independent self that's fully formed and you're in tune with but mm -hmm. you're still able to make choices that you want to make that still might appear to be yeah. you know sacrificing yeah, I mean it's it's a little bit hard for me to explain this very articulately. So I'll see if I can if I can. I mean, one of the sort of foundational things I talk about, like in my courses, that um, is a an idea of, of Murray Bowen's is that people want two things all the time, 
is that we want to belong to others and we want to belong to ourselves Mm -hmm. and they're operating in human beings all the time. And so we want to matter. We want to be special to someone. We want to belong to a group, a community, a family, a marriage, but we don't want to betray ourselves and our own development or our own uniqueness or betray our own desires or the things that matter to us. And the more immature we are, the more that those feel like they, you get one or the other, either I make you happy with me or I make me happy with me. Mm -hmm. And so it can feel to us like, well, wait a minute, if I go and pursue a degree, my husband's not going to like that because then he's got to come home earlier from work and he's going to have to carry more of the household duties. And isn't that just selfish? And my mother didn't do it. And it makes her uncomfortable that I want to do it. And so, you know, we can get pressured by the people around us to not do things that might ask more of them. And a lot of times we will, we will compromise ourselves in order to keep equilibrium when I don't use the word peace, because I don't think it is true peace if you're not at peace with yourself, but in order to keep equilibrium with other people. Uh, But, you know, to go to the example, and I think I've talked about this once on one of the podcasts we did earlier, but, you know, when I decided to stay home, what, what actually happened is that right as I was finishing my degree or right before I finished it, my husband was laid off from his job. Mm. And so we were both on the job market because I, yeah. because we, we, somebody needed to be bringing home income yes. <laughs> and I was offered a job ahead of him and my point is, is that I made a decision. I mean, he shortly afterwards was offered a job, but I made a decision to say no to this job that I would have really liked. Mm-hmm. And the the reason why that matters is because even though the next set of years were really tough, I had a special needs child, a newborn, my husband mm-hmm. was traveling. It was hard, hard. I mean, yeah. Um, and yet it was still an act of self even though others might say, oh, she's so self-sacrificing, you know, what a noble woman. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was, in my view, still very much an act of self because I was up against a choice. A lot of people thought I was crazy to turn down this job that was a very good job. Um, But it was an act of what did I really want? And I wanted to be the one home with my kids. And I wanted to be the one doing that. Um, So even though it was really hard, it was in line with my integrity and my desires. And see, sometimes the language we use around sacrifice is like desireless and selfless. And it wasn't a selfless act. It was an act of self to make that choice Mm. to be in that role in that way. So it's sort of paradoxical in that actually developing a self is, is the most unselfish thing you can do (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you bring more strength to your family now obviously there's times where it's like no I'm seeing too many people I need to cut back or I need to take more time with my kids or I need to you know alter my priorities for the group to thrive but we're always in that tension I think when we're doing things right between investing energy in the group and in the relationships versus investing energy in our own self-development and our own interests. And that's a, a, a tension that exists always in relationships. 
and doing it wisely so that all thrive is the goal. I feel like some women will f- will feel fear when they hear about stepping into their true self and belonging to themselves because they're automatically going to think, well, that means I abandon ship. Um, yeah. When that might not be the case. And what I've been hearing you saying for years and what I've learned so much from you is that being true to who you are means you're willing to step into the time and season you are in, still anchored into yourself, but that means you're willing to live life differently based off of Mm -hmm. the needs and your values and who you are. Yes, exactly. And I think that the blind spot that we have as women often is that the idea that somehow our self-development should be the secondary thing. It's like the hobbies. It's if there's time, you know, and I, I think that's the wrong framing. It's really fundamental to the family thriving is for all to thrive and for us to develop ourselves. And it doesn't necessarily mean taking a a paying job outside the home necessarily, but I think it does mean developing our gifts, yes. developing our capacities, creating capacity within ourselves. I think if we aren't true to that, we really don't have peace. It's, you know, you have to be true to it to really be at peace. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we have to let go of the idea that that's somehow a selfish act because I think You will be selfish if you don't develop yourself. That's so well said. It's time to take a quick break. If you are looking ahead to 2020, which is not only a new year, but a new decade, and you're thinking about all the things you want to improve on, let me tell you what I think needs to come first. And that is planning, planning your days better. I'm not 100% perfect about this. Of course I'm not. This is all about progress, not perfection. But I will tell you that becoming a planner has really helped me focus in ways that I never expected it to. And I know that's kind of a doy moment, but truly once I had this practice a part of my daily life and doing it in doable ways in the beginning until I gradually became more of an in-depth planner, it really has transformed how I've been able to show up to my world. Monk Manual is my favorite planner, and it's also our sponsor this month. Now through January 15th, you can get 20% off a Monk Manual or any of their bundles with the code about progress. That's one word, all caps. Go to monkmanual.com and check out their planner. They also have some pre, uh, free things you can print off to try it out first to see if it works for you, and I highly recommend doing that. And if you do decide it's for you, I definitely would say get the bundles because that you get to layer the discount about progress with for 20% off with the bundle discounts they have too. I absolutely adore this planner. I use it. I spend my own money on it. And I 100% believe that it is worth your money too. Again, go to monkmanual.com and use the code about progress. So your big focus is desire. You know, this mm-hmm. can translate to sexual desire. But when I went to your mm-hmm. workshop the first time, and I didn't mm-hmm. know who you were at all at the time. And I, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what this workshop would be about. And it was called the womanly art of desire. And I was assuming I was going to like a sex workshop, which it was, but mm-hmm. we spent 90% yeah. of that time talking about what yes. you are talking about right now. So yes, how does this translate this whole theme we're talking about here to desires. What does that mean to you? And what are you hoping women are getting in touch with in terms of their desires in order to belong to themselves and then belong to their families A and relationship. Their spouse yeah. and all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I, th- I think the desire is sort of the drive wheel of our development. And, you know, what is it that we want? What is it that I want to create? Who is it that I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of woman do I want to be? What kind of mother do I want to be? Uh, how do I want to be in relationship to my body and my sexuality? Those, you know, we talk in the framing of shoulds, especially with women. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't want this. I should want that. I shouldn't eat this. I should eat that. You know, that kind of external morality that I think really handicaps us, uh, because we keep our reference outside of ourselves and into other people's desires And so what I really think is the driver of our development and our development of self is to start asking ourselves, what do I want? And it doesn't mean that you have all the answers in latent, you know, just sitting inside of your heart and you just have to crack it open and there they are. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think a lot of people actually say, say that or wonder that when they're talking to me, like, I don't know what my desires are and how am I somehow not able to see it and what's the matter with me and so mm-hmm. on. And I, I think there's, you know, reason to, uh, meaning there are things within us that are there that we need to consult and need to understand, but also desire and what you want is very much a reflexive process and progression. It's not just uncovering a static reality within ourselves, but we're honoring desire in and of itself, that it's important. It's telling us something. Um, so I'm trying to think how to make this a little bit simpler. You know, uh, when I was 17, 16 or 17 years old, I, my mom was listening to some tape cassettes at the time of Zig Ziglar and positive thinking and she would play them in the car. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm really thankful that I listened to that stuff for a long time because it was, what do you want, you know, and what do you want out of your life and who do you want to be? And Hmm. don't talk to yourself like that if you want to be this and all these things. And so I, I wrote out during that time, a, a picture of what I wanted to become who she was. And it was so different from who I felt I was. Really? And at the time I, oh yeah. I mean, it was like, I'm a self-confident person. I'm comfortable in my own skin. This is the sentences. I am kind to other people. I am confident around other people. I, you know, um, uh, treat my body well. I'm a hard worker. These were all things that I was not. (laughs) Okay. I was shy. I really was. I was shy. I'm like I was socially shocked to hear awkward. It. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. It's really true. I was socially awkward. I was not a good student because my family didn't really value education for women especially. Um just a good old farming parents and that was sort of the paradigm they were in is that yeah. you go to college to get married. Mm-hmm. And um and I didn't really do anything well. I mean, I'm not I'm not exaggerating at all. <laughs> I am learning so uh, that, much about you. I didn't, I didn't know about any of that. And I was awkward looking too. I had, you know, Coke bottle glasses. Not at that point. I had just gotten contact lenses shortly before that. But, yeah. uh, you know, I was awkward looking kid. So, uh, so writing that statement was like, if anybody sees this, I will be so embarrassed mm-hmm. because it's so not who I am. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I mean, I could say, I can't remember if I've told any of this story before to you or anything, but I, you know, I, I kind of, I pursued some sort of validation in my relationship with God that it was good and okay for me to want these things and to pursue them. And, and if I could go back in time, what I would tell myself is the fact that you want them means that it is you. That is to say, you want this for yourself and you owe it to yourself to create it. It's a way of being true to your highest self. Hmm. Right. And so, um, and so I, you know, I worked really hard to become that person to do all those things. And I would read it every morning and every night religiously because I didn't have kids or yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had more time then. Yeah. I had more time, but I, I read it and I would envision myself being her and mm-hmm. I would envision myself doing the things that would create that being a better, being a student that would study and work hard, you know, being somebody who ate well and exercised being all doing all those things. And, um, and, you know, I just slowly, fulfilled much of it and so I I guess it's like it's like honoring desires that's really important in our in the creation of our personhood Hmm. but we are inherently creative it's not like what is God's plan what is the thing I'm supposed to be I think those questions are really uh they interfere yes with getting (laughs) the the getting what we actually need because I feel honestly like I have created a way of being able to to be an instrument in God's hand, so to speak. I've been mm-hmm. I've developed myself in ways that I can impact humanity and can make a difference, and I feel good about that. But it didn't come from getting some answer way back that I'm supposed to be a sex therapist who does podcasts yeah. thirty years from now. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been like, "What's a podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh what's the internet I don't know but, but, but uh but instead mm-hmm. you know I knew like I really cared about relationships and I cared about the question of what made people happy and there were obviously sources of my own family and unhappiness in my own family that that made me think about that a lot and watched other couples and but I was afraid that I couldn't really get a PhD. I didn't think I was smart enough to do it. I didn't think that I should do it as a woman. And, but it was what I cared about and I thought about it and I read about it and I would watch other people. And, you know, I cared a lot about design as well. And, um, I still care a lot about that. Yeah. But I went and studied interior design and thought maybe I want to become a residential architect or maybe I want to be an interior designer. But I studied that for a couple of years and I did it long enough to know it's not what I wanted, that what I really wanted was to become a therapist. But, you know, I was pursuing desires. That was a legitimate desire. Yeah. It was a good thing for me to explore it, but it also gave me the clarity that I really wanted to become a therapist more than anything else. And, you know, but that's a a reflexive process of wanting something, trying it learning from it, having that shape what you want, inform what you want, then you try something else. And so I started in psychology and then women's studies program started at BYU. And I thought, okay, I really want to learn about, I I think about this all the time, women's roles, women's identity. So I started that program. And then 
I've finished. And, you know, I guess my point is then I went into my master's program thinking I really want to be a therapist. And then I was asked to teach a human sexuality course. And so, of course, that made me start really thinking about the issue of sexuality and uh, relationships and women and sexuality and then my own faith. And how, so and that led me to my dissertation research. So it's just like line upon line. Yes. But it's not a predetermined path. Mm-hmm. It's a creative path. It's one you create as you experience and do things. And to to dare to be involved in that without there being fixed answers or certainty of success mm-hmm. or certainty of not being disappointed or feeling like, you know, you study things, something much longer and realize it's really not what I want. There are risks always to making choices. You can't really escape that as if you're a human being on this planet. But being willing to embrace that process as a necessary one and to not bring our perfectionism to it is extremely important in self-development and self-compassion. I'm really glad that you would walk us through that process because that's so much of why I personally didn't develop myself for so many years because I wanted to know the end from the beginning and I wanted to know my Mm. definable purpose, you know, in in Mm. quotes there. And I see so many women get caught up in that same trap, refusing to act until they know what their mission or purpose is. When I, I, I think living what you just said there is Mm. the key being willing to mm. create, being willing to act, being willing to take risks. And ultimately, even if you don't even know what those acts could be, it's being willing to believe that wanting is worthy. Yes, exactly. For someone then who like you've worked with many women who have probably said to you, I don't even know what I want. And I think we've kind of reviewed a little bit of where they can dig into, but how about you mm-hmm. just give us another stepping stone for sure. them to start? Sure. I think that, first of all, it's okay to not know. And especially if you haven't been asking yourself the questions, you're really going to feel like anchorless in a sense. And that's okay. But I think trusting that there are tendencies and capacities and interests within me that I've pushed away so long that it's hard to see them or know they're there, but they're there, they're there. you know, cause mm-hmm. we're just all unique and we all have interests and, you know, whether it's like earthworms, which <laughs> I know somebody was getting her PhD in earthworm science, right? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it's, you know, uh, you love organizing. Okay. There's like, there's the whole, it's human beings were amazing in the sense of the range of interests and creativity that we all have. And creativity, not in this sort of formal artistic sense, but just our ability to solve things and to create things that didn't exist before in some form or another, whether it's an idea or, you know, some uh, computer program or whatever it is. But uh, that can be really helpful as a kind of beginning place, as a framing of self-awareness about who am I and what do I tend to like and and considering who I am and what I tend to like, what might I like to do? Mm-hmm. What interests me, even if I think it's not possible? Yes. Uh, I think that's just an important question because I thought there was no way I can get a PhD. It doesn't fit with anything I've been taught about myself. I don't think I'm cognitively capable of it. I didn't think I was. 
And, you know, but I didn't let it, I didn't take it off the table. I'll say it that way. And I just sort of rolled up my sleeves and started. And the more I did, the more I built confidence in both my ability to do it and that it would everybody would survive if I did it. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah. So take the drama uh, out of it, right? Like it's not your end all be all and also broaden your horizons. Dare to dream a little. Yes. Yes, exactly. I think it's very liberating to do that and just allows you to kind of figure out what you really want. Because when you discover what you really want, there's a tremendous amount of energy for it. I mean, when you're doing something that you love, there's a tremendous amount of energy because it resonates with your soul on some level. Yeah. And so it's a way of both serving others, but being true to yourself back to that same question mm-hmm. of how do you balance what is needed from you versus self-development? I think the more you develop yourself and you're sort of speaking from your, from your best self, the more you really have to give to others and the more it builds you up to give to others, quite literally, like you lose yourself to find yourself, you know, that whole framing is that you lose your ego to develop yourself. You lose your needing to be everything for everybody to forge yourself. But also the other way, the more you forge yourself, the more you don't have to be preoccupied with the question of yourself and the more you have to really give to others. Oh, it's so interesting how that is so backwards, what we believe and are yeah. taught. And But I know I know what you're saying is true. Like, I, I feel the same way. And I'd also say just start somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. even doing something so small that you've been wanting to do. A lot of women love calligraphy these days or going on mm-hmm. walks again. Like, anything small, Absolutely. I think can just start this domino effect in your life to figuring out what is that thing that resonates in your soul. You will find it. So you kind of shared your own story about how you even got to where you are now. But I want to know more recently, since this is a constant evolution. um, Mm -hmm. Recently, what desires or interests have you tapped into lately that might have been surprising to you or really um, Mm. fun? That would be sure. good to share. I'm sort of thinking about that because I, 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 you just gave me some questions and I was kind of thinking about it. One is that there's, um, well, there's maybe two things. One is that we're doing something this year that I was a desire that emerged last year in a context of thinking about my relationships with my family. And we made a decision to... Uh, take our kids out of school. And because I work so much online, as does my husband, we just rented our house and decided to change the background. (laughs) And so we have been traveling um, this year around the world and living very simply out of a suitcase, which is something I didn't think I could do. Yeah, I have about three outfits for different temperatures. And I tell you, I'm extremely tired of my clothes right now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so we've been living very simply, but it's been, I guess it's just something that was a desire that emerged out of trying to think about how the family, uh, some family needs could be addressed better. And it's, been a really expansive thing for the whole family I think we've grown closer together we've learned an an enormous amount about the world and ourselves 
And something that I have seen that I really appreciate that I hadn't fully understood before in the process was, and this sounds a little bit silly as I'm going to say it, but yeah, go ahead, say it. I, <laughs> I want to hear. I love good design. Yeah. <laughs> so when I see the architecture and the city planning, I'm currently in Singapore and it's just remarkable here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all, it's almost spiritual for me. I, I just mm-hmm. am so stunned by physical beauty, both man-made or person-made yeah. uh, physical beauty through like architecture and buildings that have withstood the t- test of time because of their beauty and the impact it has on all of us, on the community. Um, just just one piece in many things that I've learned on this trip. I love that comes full circle for you too, with, you know, where you started yeah. too. Okay. Well, this, yeah. that was so fun to get to know you even better. And I thought I knew you, yeah. Jennifer, you continue to surprise me. Um, for people who, <laughs> there, there's so much more on all of this that we talked about and a, and a much greater debt on your online courses, which I have taken and mm. like I've said, changed my life. So can you tell people what's going on right now with your cell? Cause you always have a sure. cell around Valentine's day. That's right. Yeah. We just today started a Valentine's day sale and I think it will run until a day or two after Valentine's day. And, um, <clears throat> it's 20% off of all the online courses. And for those that are particularly, so I have a course on improving your relationships and you don't have to be married for that course to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. It's really, about taking a look at yourself and how you are in relationship to others and how to grow and change uh, the immaturities of within yourself. And then I have a couple sexuality course um, that's a good follow from that relationship course. And then <clears throat> the Art of Desire course, which is designed really for women and very much taps into women's sexuality and their relationship to their bodies but as you talked about, Monica, is really foundationally set up on this issue of Mm self-development and um, the ability to really be capable of intimacy, not just sexual intimacy, but emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. is really very linked to having a solid sense of self. And so the more you create that through self-development, it is your salvation in your relationships and in your life. Um, so that's that course. And then I have a course on um, how to talk to your kids about sex, which is really a course about helping your kids to help them to forge sexual integrity. That is to say, mm-hmm. more acceptance of their sexuality. So an integration with their physical bodies, but also an integration with their morality. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's a good phrase. Jennifer, you're fantastic. I, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially since you're in Singapore. And so we're all so grateful for you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Monica. Couldn't get over all the gems in this episode. I typically try to do my best to only give the best in each interview so you can listen to it in the time that you have. But this one, I mean, I truly could not take out any part of it. I hope you really got to know Jennifer better. That's especially why this episode is so impactful for me. And also that you're able to see that your purpose is waiting for you And it's not a definable only one purpose. It's about evolving and living a life with purpose, which I saw and have learned from Jennifer and in my own life too. 
Make sure you don't forget to sign up for our online workshop, Rediscover You. And you can do that by going to aboutprogress.com slash workshop. And also to sign up for accountability, community, and inspiration with our online membership group, The Messy Middle Club. Through our beta launch, only $1 a month. Go to the link in our show notes for you, which you can find at aboutprogress.com slash progress. I am so grateful to be ending this year on so many high notes, and I hope that you have enjoyed hearing the best ofs, both within my own life and on the podcast. Next week, I'm going to share the episode that I have thought about all year long since it was given, and I also want to redo my own editing on it, and you're going to hear why that is. Now, friends, I would love to hear about your own best ofs, your best moments, the best food you ate, the best thing you spent your money on, the best episodes from the podcast that you love, new podcasts you found that aren't ours. We want to hear it all. Go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show to learn how to submit your note for our Dear Progressor episode. It's the last episode of each month where we get to hear our real progressors in life, in the flesh, I guess, really sharing with us what they have learned and how to teach us. Such an, a powerful episode every single time. And I would love to hear from you. That's it for our episode today. Friends, keep growing. And remember, life is about progress, not perfection. <laughs>